Good evening. On behalf of Royal Oak Community Church, I welcome you. My name is Beth Bascom, and I am the facilitator for these sessions. We are honored tonight to have as a guest speaker, Stephanie Short, who's going to give us information about homeschooling 101, all the things you need to know to get started. Stephanie? Can you hear me? <laughs> okay. Um, my name is Stephanie Short. I've been homeschooling in Warren County for, I think when I counted last year, it was 10 or 11 years. Um, my oldest is going to be 22 this year. My youngest is six. So I have a wide range, and we have used various curriculums and various methods for filing for homeschooling as well. Um, but my only experience is in Warren County as far as filing, which is what we're going to talk about today. Um, you can go ahead and flip this slide. So, of course, the best way to start homeschooling is to know the law, and that's how you're going to um, do the best job that you can do as far as the legal requirements. Um, HSLDA is a great website, a great uh, resource. They are very um, low cost for families. You can, I haven't looked lately, but Last time I looked, it was like under $150 for a year. They'll proof your letter that you need to send to the um, county. Uh, if you have issues with the county, they will help you um, with a lawyer if, if needed. Um, and it, for me, for my first couple years homeschooling, that was an advantage because I didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> so that helped um, make me feel confident in what I was doing. Um, you can go ahead and switch that. So in Virginia, there are several different ways to file. Um, I put option two first on the file because most um, people file with option one or three. Um, option two is if you have a certified tutor that is doing it. And most people, like I said, most people do not go that route. I have no experience with that, so I can't really tell you about that. Um, you would have to talk to the county or talk to someone who knows about that. Um, I really don't have a lot of experience with that. Um, the next options are option one, which is um, filing for home instruction. You write what is called, a, people will shorten it to NOI, uh, notice of intent. It's just a letter saying that you plan to homeschool your child. You give the age um, of your child, the grade, what they asked for a list of curriculum. And um, a couple years ago, this went through, the, through a lawsuit, or through a, not a lawsuit, but a uh, change in the law um, to specify what that means, a description of your curriculum, what does that mean? Because they used to want you to copy like your index pages of your curriculum. Um, you do not have to do that. <laughs> you just list what subjects you are teaching. You can also say that you are teaching according to the Virginia SOL standards. Um, when I first homeschooled that, that first year and I had HSLDA, I got a um, letter um, back from the county that said that I needed to provide additional information and they wanted a copy of my index page of my curriculum of each book that I was using. And so I went to HSLDA and I said, okay, what is going on with this? Because I don't believe this is right. And he said, you can either just list the titles of your books 
or you can say you're following the Virginia State SOL standards of learning requirements, which they're listed on the on Warren County's website. They have the list as well of what they go over for each grade. Um, so you, you do need that list. So you do kind of need to know what subjects you're teaching. There is no requirement that you have to teach certain subjects. They just want to know what subjects you're teaching. And don't forget to include things like jump because they're in sports or they're playing outside. <laughs> you, know? you don't have to have a specific jump curriculum. Um, you also have to give them a copy of your um, high school diploma or college diploma. Uh, it doesn't matter what state it's from, doesn't matter you know, what kind of diploma it is, they just need a copy of that with it. Um, it is not, the, the, a lot of lawyers will stress, it is not a letter of approval. You're not trying to get a letter of approval to homeschool. You are just notifying them that you are homeschooling. You need to send it to the county. Um, you do not need to send it to your child's school if they were previously in public school. You do not need to send this particular letter if your child will not be six by September 30th. Um, you do need to send them a letter if they're five years old and not attending school saying that you're planning to not send them to school that year, but and you're withholding them or however you want to word it. There are, there are resources to word that, but you do not have to send in a notice of intent. The difference between that is, is if you send in the notice of intent, you also have to, in August or by August, send them testing showing that your child has made progress or, or a portfolio. If you have a kindergartner and you want to waive that so you don't have to do the testing, you just tell them you are holding your child back. Um, the third option for filing is religious exempt. Um, I put the definition on the, the PowerPoint. Several years ago in Warren County, it was much harder to do religious exemption. Um, there was a group of people that worked very hard to change Warren County's policy. At one point, you used to have to go before the board with your pastor or with a minister, you know, testifying what your religious beliefs were. That is no longer the case. It, um, a lot of people were intimidated by that. Um, so several years ago, HSLDA got involved. Um, Seton was involved, several homeschool groups were involved. Um, Shell, I think Hearth was involved. There were several of us that were involved in, in rewording what Warren County's policy was. So now the religious exemption, if you truly feel that God has called you to homeschool your child, um, and that is why you either aren't sending them or you are withdrawing them, because they could have previously gone to public school even if you filed religious exemption. Um, but you, are basically not planning to send them back to school. It is your religious belief that you were called by God to homeschool your child. And it could have been, like I said, it could have been something you sent them originally, but you've been doing a lot of praying or whatever, and you've decided that that's your religious belief or that you feel that God has called you to do that. Um, so Warren County now has a standardized letter for religious ex exemption status. Um, it's on their website. I do have a link later on. It'll show you later in the um, PowerPoint um, where you can find it. You just print it off, you take it to the bank, you have it notarized, you send it in. That is all you ever have to do for religious exemption. You do not send it in every year. You send it in once, you're done. You have no more contact with the county. That's it. 
That also, however, means that you are um, foregoing any special needs services. So if you file religious exempt, you cannot get any special needs services. Um, because they're, if you're filling your called by God to teach your child, then they feel that I guess they don't have to pay to teach your child or to help teach your child. Um, so there is that part that may not be a benefit to some, depending on your child. Um, I personally have filed both of the two that are on, in the PowerPoint right now, the, the, um, the option one with the home instruction, sending them your high school diploma, and I am now filing under the religious exemption status. Um, there, like I said, there was a debate previously, but the religious exemption is now much easier than it was. They do say that when you have additional children to please update your religious exemption and add their names to it. Um, but that some people never even file it because according to the law, you don't necessarily have to send it to them. You just have to have it on file at your house so that if you're visited, you have that copy. Because in the Virginia law, it does not specifically say that you have to send it to the county. And I know several Catholic families, specifically Catholic families, that keep it in their house. They don't actually ever file it. Um, you can go to the next slide. Okay, so we kind of went over most of this, but notice of intent. So you need to provide a description of your curriculum. Like I said, just list the subjects that you're teaching or say you're following SOL standards. Um, proof that you have met one of the four options, meaning that you need to have a copy of your high school diploma, copy of your teaching certificate, a copy of your college diploma. Um, or you're doing the tutoring option, which is included in this, but it's a different requirements. Um, you also need to meld that to them. You can do it certified. I've done it both certified. I've handed it in and had them sign saying I had given it to them. I have also um, sent it just regular mail. And now in Warren County, we have the option to email. Um, and they will email you back and, and say that they've received it. Um, with the notice of intent, if you're following the, the one option, the, the notice of you know, home instruction, you have to submit evidence of academic achievement or progress by August 1st of each year. This year it was waived due to the COVID, but every other year, normally, you would have to have submitted either testing or a portfolio um, that it, or have a portfolio evaluated by a certified teacher. Um, and then they submit that paperwork. The testing is very easy. You can find it online everywhere. Seton is a great resource for testing here locally. Um, the California Achievement Test is one of the easiest tests to give your children. Uh, you can do it online or on paper. And if you're local, you can actually go pick up the test and bring it back to them and you get the results quicker and you don't have to wait in the mail. Um, the religious is up, like I said previously, mail, email, you only do it once, that's it, the end. You never submit any testing for your children, ever. It's just it, never, never do. Um, I will tell you, since I touched on it previously with the religious exempt about the special needs, um, I do have kids with IEPs, and even if you homeschool, even if they were previously in school with an IEP, when you withdraw them, there is a shortened list of what they will um, continue for homeschooling um, under the notice of intent, under that, that homeschooling option. Um, 
they mostly, each county is different. It has to do with how they spend their money. Um, for Warren County, almost the only service that you will get for special needs kids is speech services. Um, that even when I withdrew my kids from public school, I had one child who was getting speech and I still was able to take him to the school for how many minutes they said for how many times a week. Um, but that is, an, out of everyone that I know that homeschools, that is the about the only service that they offer. They do not do OT, PT, any, any autistic services, any, anything else, just speech. Um, so, so do be aware of that. Now I'm not saying don't homeschool because you have a special needs kid. Sometimes that's the best option for your kids. Been there, done that. Um, but be aware and be prepared that if they need services, you can provide them or you can find a source for them. Um, you can go to the next slide. So for Warren County, uh, mail or email, as I mentioned, you can now email. Um, the address is on the PowerPoint along with um, Ms. Henry's email. Um, last I checked, that was who was accepting them. We did have a change in superintendent, so that may change, but as of last year, Mary Henry was who was the point of contact for homeschoolers. Um, and then I've also included the religious exempt form, which is found online, uh, wcps.k12.va.us, which is the public school website, and then slash index dot php slash 11 dash community slash 55 dash religious dash exception. They couldn't make it easy, you know. <laughs> so, it, but it is on the PowerPoint. So if you look at that, you'll get that information. Anything? Next one? Oh, that's it. That's all I have as far as the legal requirements. Um, I could tell you stories, but <laughs> that's all I have. So if you have questions, just let me know. For the religious avenue, then, the parent is totally responsible for all of the education evaluation and um, educational success of their child. Correct. Uh, the county has no, um, how do I want to word this, uh, authorization? Uh, they, you don't, they do not oversee you. You are all on your own. You are doing as you felt led to do. Um, some people have an issue with that, particularly non-homeschoolers, that there's no one, no oversight. And I will say there are people that have abused it. Even in this county in the past, um, there have been cases where social service, social service has got involved where they said they were homeschooling their kid and they really weren't. And in fact, there was abuse involved. But that is like very, very rare. Most of the people who file religious exempt are doing it because they feel it's their calling. Um, and a lot of them do not, are not anti-social as the concept is. I mean, we have, I don't know how many homeschoolers in this town. 
I didn't even realize how many were in this town when I first started homeschooling. When I first started homeschooling, I knew like two families, <laughs> that was it. Um, and then I got introduced to all these people. Um, and I shouldn't call certain religions out, but particularly the Catholic community here has a very large, very successful um, homeschooling community. They, they have lots of resources, um, but most of them follow religious exempt, but they have some of the smartest kids I've ever known. They are actually schooling them, but you are correct. The county has no more oversight of you, um, which can be an advantage on one side as far as a mom being, you know, not that I'm hassled, but, you know, I don't have to say, oh, we have to get this testing done. It's July. I have to turn it in by August 1st. You know, I don't have that. I still test my children. I don't necessarily test them every year with a national accredited test, but um, I do test them and I know where they're at, but I do not have to submit that to the county. So if you opt for a notice of intent mm -hmm. and you do your testing and you send that in to the school, the public school, do they then look at that and come back to you and say, you have not, your child hasn't progressed for a year, so therefore you have to stop homeschooling? So I've never had that happen myself, and I have never heard of anyone in Warren County that it's happened to. Um, however, I have heard of other places. Um, the first year they will not, they'll come back and say something to you, but they give you basically a warning year. Um, where they're going to monitor. You're basically, you know, on probation, so to speak. Um, and then it, it I'll back this up, up a minute, though, and say it also depends on your child because if your child has special needs, and specifically if they were already in the public school, is not nearly um, as detrimental um, because they already have a baseline and they already know that, they do put you on probation and... I would suggest if you have a special needs student that you do um, the uh, portfolio because it's easier to show. A lot of kids don't test well, so it's easier to show. Um, there are some hoops you have to jump through for that side as far as finding a certified teacher who will do it for you, who will do your evaluations and, and submit it to the county. Um, but to, back to your original question is that they will put you on probation for one year and then they will the second year if the child does not show progress um, and it doesn't say how much progress. There's no defined how much. So if the first year, if you have a fifth grader and the first year they tested a third grade level and next year they tested a fourth grade level, that's progress. So they cannot do, they cannot um, hold it against you, I guess, or, or whatever, because the child showed progress. So there is that. But like I said, if you have a special needs child or if you your child doesn't test well, definitely look at the portfolio. There are several um, teachers in the area who are very supportive of homeschoolers. Um, you could just reach out. Most groups know at least one person. It, I, I don't know that it has to be a teacher, but it does have to be someone with a certain kind of degree that, that evaluates it. Okay, thank you. And so you said... Um, earlier when we were talking about Warren County and surrounding area mm -hmm. homeschool mm -hmm. um, 
Facebook? Yes. Okay. Is that a place where somebody could go and say, hey, I need somebody to do a portfolio. Anybody have any suggestions? Yes. Yeah, that would be because there are people on there I know who've done portfolios. So that would be a great place to go for any of your questions. Um, it's Warren County and surrounding areas homeschooling group. Um, and if you're not a part, join. <laughs> uh, we also do, we post um, any, well, right now most everything is still somewhat closed, but uh, there's lots of homeschool um, events like at museums and stuff where they do specific homeschool days. Um, and it's usually at a lesser charge of admission or free. So that would be a good, good place for that. Um, and any, any questions you have, um, you can post there as well. Are you aware of any, um, perhaps older children, but it could have, I think probably could happen in middle school maybe, but older children who are trying to get their parents to homeschool them because they're not happy with their current situation in public school. And how does that kind of play out sometimes? Do they find a parent who is willing to oversee this for them and they kind of assist in filling out all the paperwork? Or is it usually just because there's other issues going on in the home and and maybe it doesn't work so well. We have seen a large increase in homeschoolers or, or interest in homeschooling in this area, in, in everywhere, all over the world, um, because of this whole COVID stuff. Um, even before that, I've had cases where the kids want to homeschool and the parents just aren't sure of it. Um, the parent still has to file all the paperwork. There are programs, though, um, particularly online programs, that the parent does not have to be as involved. Um, I could name some names, but I don't want to start naming because then people will say, well, I heard this one or I heard that one. Do your research. Um, if they're high school age, I would suggest an accredited um, one, which is what we are starting with my going into ninth grade. Um, we're starting an online program with him that is an accredited, accredited high school, um, only because it gives you some accountability. Um, in this county, I have never heard of anyone having issues going back into public school with them being pulled out to homeschool. Um, in other counties, they do have a requirement that in high school, they have to have been in an accredited program or else they would have to start back at ninth grade or they'd have to test, take all the SOLs from ninth grade. Um, I know Frederick County has a similar requirement like I said, I, I haven't personally had any experience, and as far as I know, Warren County does not have that policy, but it's always better if you don't know that you are going to homeschool fully through high school to find an accredited program, just in case of anything. It also helps for college. Yes, and um, if you go, folks who are listening to this, if you go back to the chart, on um, Quick Guide to Homeschooling, you will find one of the columns in that is accredited AP. There's a bunch, um, several different things in that um, column there. And through that, you would find out what the accredited online um, courses that I was aware of. And after this, I may talk with Stephanie and ask her if she has any that we should add to that list. So, so thank you for that. So do we have other questions? Thank you so much.
We really You're appreciate welcome. all of your expertise. And I heard you say that if people want to um, email you, they yes. can do that. And one of your first slides I saw had your email address on it. Yes. Yeah, so. I'm always happy to answer questions. So my email and my phone number are listed on there. You can also meet, reach me at the Facebook group, the Warren County and surrounding areas. Thank you so much. Thank you. Okay, so next we're going to look at um, some learning styles. When you as a parent go to choose the curriculum that you're going to use and the, um, what your homeschool is going to look like, you are going to want to take into consideration your child's learning style. And you can find this wonderful um, summary at www.timeforlearning.com slash learning dash styles. Um, for disclosure, Time for Learning is a company that puts out homeschool curriculum. And I found this on their website and thought, my, this is just what I was going to teach. So... I am going to go over some basics for each of the seven learning styles. And then you can go to their website and find more information about each one that um, you think might be your child's learning style. So the first one is visual. These are people, children and adults, who need to see something to understand it. I'm one of these. If you give me verbal directions, most likely I will not be able to follow them. I have to either convert them to a mental image or, better still, ask you to please draw a map. So children who have a visual learning style, you're going to want to give them lots of things like graphs and maps and models and um, anything visual like that. The next style is auditory. And these are the people who learn best through hearing. They do really well in a traditional classroom with lecture. And they take notes. And then they remember what they hear. I have a couple of grandchildren who are auditory learners. They uh, read Charlotte's Web or listen to Charlotte's Web on an audiobook twice, and then they start reciting parts of Charlotte's Web to you. They learn best when they hear. The next one is our kinesthetic or tactile learners. These children need to touch things. They need to um, hold them, and they need to move. Um, I am also somewhat of a kinesthetic learner. As I'm aging, my short-term memory is virtually non-existent. So when somebody tells me something and I don't have a way to write it down or put it into my phone or something, I will fingerspell it 
several times, and then I'm a whole lot more likely to remember it. So these are the kids, again, that are going to need to touch and feel and very sensory-oriented. They're the ones who will be very fidgety in a learning situation where they're required to sit still and be quiet and keep their hands quiet. The next one is logical learners. These are very systematic learners. They tend to, um, they're able to take information and draw logical conclusions from the information that they're given. They're able to strategize and come up with um, ideas of how to get from point A to point B through a series of logical steps. Then we have our linguistic learners. Now, don't confuse this with an auditory learner, although they're similar. A linguistic learner loves words for words' sake. Okay. So they're the ones who, when you give them a word like symbiotic, they're the ones who will go around the house going, symbiotic, symbiotic, symbiotic. Um, they love words for words' sakes. They, they like to play word games. Okay, they may be the ones who early on um, will come to you with a little piece of paper and say, write it. And so you write lamp and you show it to them and you say it says lamp. And so they go and put it on the lamp. Okay, they love, they love words. They tend to learn um, languages easily. You see in the picture the two little girls doing sign language. Okay, they're ones who... They're the ones who have figured out that, a, that an object can have more than one word attached to it. Okay, And then we have those who learn best in a social situation. They like discussing ideas. They like working in groups. They're effective communicators. They're good listeners. Now, one of the challenges that you have if you have a social learner is where is the line between that she is learning in this social situation versus that she just likes to socialize, okay? And the learning isn't necessarily happening. She's just having fun with her friends. So that's something that you need to figure out. But social learners are very important nowadays. Employers like people who are able to come in and work as a team, okay, and communicate with each other, come up with ideas, process those ideas, and come out with a solution to problems. And then the next one is 
a solitary learner. This is the child or adult who needs quiet. They need to be away from distractions. And they'd rather go off and learn on their own in a quiet place. So think about these different learning styles. Go to the website. The website will give you more characteristics for each one. And then take a look at your child. Talk with your child. Sometimes your child's going to be able to say to you, well, yeah, I do better when there aren't people around distracting me. Okay. Or they may be, can you draw that for me, Mommy? So it's important for your child to learn what their learning style is because when your child learns how to learn, when your child learns how he or she learns, then they will be able to learn anything that they ever want to. Especially in a day and age when we have so much information readily available to us. So that's our little session on learning styles. And when you find your learning style for your child and then you go back to the quick guide, uh, you will find on there things like um, there's a row that's going to tell you the approach that's taken. So if it says hands-on, guess what? That's your tactile learner. Okay. So some of that's going to help you um, to know maybe better what is the right curriculum or a good curriculum for your particular child. So do I have any questions? Okay, great. Thank you very much. We're going to go on to just cover a couple of more things before we call it a night. Um, one is that someone who wanted to be here last Monday night or tonight is the Cottage School in Winchester, Classical Cottage School in Winchester. Um, but they were unable to be here. So they sent me some information and I'm just going to whet your appetite and then suggest that you go to their website. Their approach is, as you can guess from the name, a classical approach. And they say that a true classical education gives a student the tools of learning through the use of focused concentration on just a few subjects to develop key skills. So they say that less is more. By teaching children how to learn, then the child will be able to learn anything they want. And Dorothy Sayers writes, the sole true end of education is simply this, to teach people how to learn for themselves. Whatever instruction 
fails to do this is effort spent in vain. So at their high school level and, their, and some of their middle school level, they go into um, a few subjects and concentrations. And they actually have um, a, a school or a co-op that will support you in that. And so I encourage you to go to their website, which is www.classicalcottageschool.org. And if I think that brings you to the national site, but if you, if you Google for Winchester Classical Cottage School, it will come up. And we will also have it on the um, podcast website. I just wanted to also mention their grammar school philosophy because it's very unique. And that is, they say, we are firm believers in the Charlotte Mason Blue Dorn methodology of early childhood education. And I'm going to add that it also is very similar to Montessori. And that is that the best education for young children is the reading of many good books, doing hands-on math, moral training at home, lots of time outdoors for nature exploration, creative play, reflection, and refreshment. So especially for you who are new to homeschooling and are feeling like oh, I'm kind of being forced into this because of the whole COVID thing, you might want to take a look at this and I think you might make this big sigh of relief when you realize that for your grammar school kids, you really can do this, okay? Um, so that's what I wanted to mention there. I also did want to mention that there's been a few more things added to the quick guide and there will be a few more added um, within the next 24 hours. So you might want to take a look at that again um, just to make sure that you see anything that you need to. I'm also going to make just a little plug on math curriculum only because it's my area of expertise. Otherwise, I've tried to stay clear of doing too much of my own um, opinion on any of these particular curriculums. But my own, um, my own education, I have a master's of education, and one of my specialties is um, math in the elementary grades. And I am a firm believer that math is a way of thinking. There are tools that we use in math, and those are things like knowing our multiplication and division and knowing formulas and procedures. But those are tools. Those are like paintbrushes and paint. Paintbrushes and paint are not art. And memorizing um, facts or procedures and being able to apply them is not math. Math is thinking in a logical way 
to solve problems. It is discovering patterns that then allow you to make sense of what you're seeing or hearing. So therefore, I highly recommend math curriculums that emphasize that and that the two that I am the most aware of and feel are the best that I'm aware of anyways that are out there is Math you see and right start math. So that's my little plug there, my, my two cents worth. You can take it for what it is. And so we want to thank you again for being with us tonight. And we, next Monday night, we will be talking about private schools. We have several private schools that will be here to make presentations. Next Thursday, we will be doing online learning. We will present different types of online learning, both as a public school student and also as a homeschooled student with some um, input and thoughts in terms of how to make that successful and whether your child is um, going to be successful at it. And then on August 3rd, the uh, new superintendent for Warren County will be here to give us an update and to answer questions. Thank you very much, and have a great week. Oh, wait a minute, I have a question. Yes. From what you've shared with us tonight, um, would it be logical to assume then, in looking forward, that there would be certain children with certain learning styles who would not at all do well with online learning? Would there be kid, children who would not do well in, with online learning? I would say yes, that that is true. So, based, based on their learning styles, yes. Or that you will need to do um, some things to help them. If that's what they have, then you as a parent can come alongside of them and say, okay, so you've taken this and you're seeing it on the screen, but you learn best by hearing. So maybe you need to read out loud what you're seeing on the screen. Or I will help you and I will read it out loud for you. Okay. Or right, or you learn best by moving things around and touching and feeling them. So we're going to take the information that's on the screen, and now we're going to go try to find something that we can use to help you um, make that real to you. And we'll try to cover some of that on um, next Thursday night to try to come up with some of those ideas. That's an excellent idea for us to jump off on is how can this type of learner learn online. So thank you. Okay, thank you.